The following is a conversation with Steve Lee, Australian country music artist whose hit song, I Like Guns, carries the same name as his famous, some say infamous, shooting and hunting Australian YouTube channel. In 2013, Steve commenced what would become known as one of Australia's most explosive and public-facing legal battles pertaining to the use sales, storage, and collection of firearms, a battle that has only recently in the last four weeks come to completion. That's 10 years with the return of Steve's firearms and permits. Now, you may or may not have a strong opinion on Steve's history or whether he was complicit in the legal matters that arose out of this case. But what I ask you to do is this. See Steve for what he is, a man a person of value, someone who loves life, someone who has a zest for life, who cherishes relationships and has no ill will towards anyone. It's okay to have strong opinions when it comes to matters of law. Law is important, but don't make the mistake of being blinded by those opinions and missing out on the gold that lives within each of us. If only we dare look. And speaking of looking, if you're on the lookout for an Australian hunting community and club that you can be a part of, I encourage you to check out the Australian Hunters Club, australianhunters.com.au. It's a great way to get involved in the community that can sow into you, that you can sow back into. You can go in the draw to win professionally guided hunts every single month around the country. You can go on free member hosted hunts, attend events, and a whole bunch more. Check it out at australianhunters.com.au. But without further ado, let's go to the conversation with Steve. So, Steve, I usually like to start the episode with a famous quote or a poem or a proverb or even poetry to kind of start getting the creative juices flowing and people thinking about the topic we're going to be talking about. But I thought we'd start this episode with something a little bit different, uh, with some lyrics from a famous YouTuber, some say infamous, uh, 12 years ago, and it goes something like this. In fact, you know what? I might even, for you, mate, I might even sing it. All right, so here we oh, go. This is going to be painful, I can tell already. <laughs> I like guns, I like the way they look. I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. If they're for sale, hell, I want them all. I like guns, I like guns, I like guns. <laughs> so, mate, nice my one. question for you is, is pretty simple. Given all the trouble guns have caused you in the past, do you still like guns? Yes. You do? Mate, nothing's changed about my love for guns. Like, it's it's, it's the same as it's always been. Uh, probably a little more. Like, um, like um, absence makes a heart grow fonder. And being absent from the firearms for quite uh, for so long, yeah, no, I love them more than I ever did. What is it specifically about firearms that gets you excited because a lot of our audience uh, are hunters and um, new hunters that kind of grown up in this era where, you know, the gun war has been waged and it feels like for some people that it's, it's being lost and they're kind of primarily using guns as a tool for hunting, like a fun tool, uh, but it's, it's a tool to enjoy something else. And that is the hunt. What is it specifically for you about guns that is so compelling? Like, I'm really curious. Um, like most guns, I mean, anyone who owns guns or anyone who loves guns realise it's just, just basically guns themselves, uh, a lot of the time just an access to something else. Like, I, I mean, I love hunting, I love being in the bush. I, um, my whole life I've been around guns, but I like any type, you know. I mean, I mean, we get to do those Cambodia trips where I just shoot machine guns and, 
But there's just something about firearms. It's just a machine. It's just a man-made built machine that fires a projectile. And I just love firing. I don't know. I just love shooting guns. I love everything that goes along with guns. I just love what they are. That's just... I can't even really explain it. I just love them. I love guns. <laughs> you have to sing about it. You have to record albums to, to explain your love for them. Oh, That's mate. so good. <laughs> I, I feel like it's... I mean... It's hard to explain to people who've who've never fired a firearm before, but like you're literally controlling a little explosion and then you're directing the energy of that explosion somewhere to have some sort of crazy dynamic consequence. Like that's, I don't know who, who, who you need to speak to. That just sounds fun. Like it just is like just playing with, not playing, it's not the right word, but, but using powerful things in powerful ways is just interesting and fun to me. I mean, I uh, when I first lost my license, as you well know, I lost my firearms license. I took up bow hunting for a time. My wife bought me a really nice bow, and I took up bow hunting. But I just hated it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all those bow hunters out there who love it. But maybe one day I'll like it. But but I just like guns, and I'm just like you know, I I, I felt like I was. Um, I don't know, just punishing myself by going out with a bow because it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And I just felt like, you know, fire insurance, you taking my license for whatever reason. And then here I am out here trying to do something that's similar, you know, going out in the bush and taking bows. And I still like being out in the bush. But in the end, I just I, I just give up bow hunting. I said, I'm out. I don't really want to do this. So I, I'd rather take someone else out and guide them hunting and let them have a rifle and just take people out guiding than I would just go bow hunting. So, but I just... Like you say, there's something about firearms, there's something about having them, there's something about the way they function. There's something about, there's a lot of joy in firearms and um, I just love them, man. I don't know. What do I say? <laughs> Is there a specific type of firearm that you like the most? I mean, like the majority of firearms that I use are like your bolt action, single shot, um, you know, that's it. But you're kind of, you've got more experience with far more exotic weapons. I mean, you've had like a theatrical permit and an armor's license. So fully automatic, semi-automatic, like is, is there like, is the level of funness kind of directly correlated to how fast the gun can shoot? I mean, it definitely not. Like it's, it's, they've all got their purpose. I mean, I went, I was out, I went out shooting pigs yesterday and I was using a lever action. And I, I mean, I, I like, I got, got a um, uh, Winchester 94, 30, 30. And I just love the the action of the of the thirty thirty. It's been around forever. It's a great great firearm. I mean, I love bolt actions. Bolt actions to me are probably the most accurate firearm. If you want to go out like pest eradication, shooting foxes, like and you, there's not a lot of numbers or anything out there, but you just want to like, have good shots or you want to keep the skins. Then you really want to use a bolt action. If you want to go out like eradicating lots of numbers and there's big mobs of pigs, then you probably need a semi-auto. Um, I've never hunted with a machine gun. I would. But I never have never had the the, the the possibility to do that. But um, yeah. Uh, but look, all firearms have their place. They're all. all I mean, they, I even like muzzle loaders, mate. I don't even mind a muzzle loader. Muzzle loaders are pretty cool and fun. I, I probably wouldn't mind doing a video one day on hunting with muzzle loaders and see what I can get. But um, yeah. they've all got their place. So I, I don't necessarily have a <clears throat> favorite that I can say is the best action or anything. Um, I like them all, man. Well, going back to what you said about creating YouTube content. Take me back to the start of, or even the events leading up to the creation of the channel. It, Cause it was a while ago. It was like over 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I think. What, what was the events that led up to that? Were you, you were writing music before that you were performing or? I was in a band. So I was in a band with my family and we we're just called the Leeds, right? So we just toured around and, and we were moderately successful. We did okay in the country music industry, you know, 
I mean, one time we went to America, we were doing shows in Canada and America, and I jumped onto Qantas, and um, I was going through their playlist, because um, just going through the songs that they had on there, and there's a song on there of ours, you know, from, from one of our albums, and I'm like, oh, this sort of feels like success. Like, here I am on a Qantas flight, and someone's thought our song's worthy enough to put on the, on the playlist. And I thought it could never get better than that, and I was there for like nine weeks. And on the way back, when I came back, there was the the um, the song uh, rotation had changed from the different channels. But then I had two songs on there from a, from a different album, and I'm like, oh, I've never got two on there. I had one on the way over and two on the way back. And like, clearly had a I mean, fan. We had quite moderate success in the band, the Lees. Yeah, there was well, it was the Qantas had all different radio, all different radio stations put the thing together. So there was a whole lot of channels on there in, in the early days before you, know, you watch videos and everything all the time. There's still radio stations on there and they have different shows and everything. But um, there was that. And, I mean, we we, got, we did quite well. You know, we got awards. Did a whole heap of stuff with the Lees. And then as the kids were getting older, because they, they were my children and my wife, and we just travelled around. We did about 15 years on the road just travelling around doing music. And um, it was not long after the 96 gun laws. I was sitting around a fire um, out around Broken Hill there. And I... Just started writing a song, I Like Guns, and I sang it, and then I sang it at a um, little topa, a little pub out there, and a lady said to me, that is a great song, you know, and this is in about, probably about year 2000 or something. So then eventually I said, you know, I wouldn't mind doing a gun album. And then I just came up with the concept one day, I said, you know what, I'm just going to put a whole lot of songs together, I'm going to do just a gun album. I, I just, just want to try it. So I put the, put the album together, and then I needed a video clip, and I'd already been over to Cambodia a couple of times. I had this vision in my mind of going over there and blowing a car up with an RPG. I knew they did it. And well, at that time, they were saying, you could blow a cow up. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to blow up a cow. I'll probably a car would be cool. So <laughs> I, um, my daughter had been on Australian Idol. So I talked uh, the cameraman, I think it was from Channel 9. I somehow talked him into coming to Cambodia with him, paid him some money. And I said, come to Cambodia. I'm going over there for a trip. Let's see if we can make a video for this, this song. So he came over and we just came up with this concept and I sort of had it pictured on my head how I wanted it to go and it just all fell into place when they were in Cambodia with the last verse and then we did the last verse first and then we came back we did the first couple of verses here in Australia just use me guns here but we did the first verse in Australia the last verse in Cambodia mm. and it worked really really well and then we built it up to the end and um, so I put it sent it to CMC which was Country Music Channel and they're like yep. yeah nah we're never putting that on and I'm like, come on, that's a great song. Put it on because I'm still chasing the country music thing, right? I'm not even thinking about YouTube. Yeah. YouTube was like seven years old, and then someone said to me, "You can put it on YouTube." And I go, "I don't even know what that is," you know. So I put it on YouTube, and um, someone showed me how to upload. Uploaded it, and I, a couple of weeks later, I had like ten thousand views. And back then, that was something, you know, ten thousand views mm. or something in, in in like a month or so. And then um, we're going to. We're going to go and spend Christmas in New York because we'd never had a white Christmas with all the kids, and they're all getting older. And I said, "Look, let's, let's go to New York with the kids." So, talked my wife into it. So, we jump on the plane, and when I jumped on the plane in the morning, I had, and I think me and my wife were fighting at the time, so we weren't even talking. No one was interested in my video. No one even cared about it. my whole family's like, "Yeah, whatever. This guy's a monk. He's just he, I don't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing." Anyway, so we stick, yeah. I stick it on, get on the plane in the morning, fly to America, get off. Go and have a look at the video that night, and it's at, and it, when I'd left, it was at ten thousand. When I got there, it was something like thirty thousand or something. And I went, is is that something? Does that mean something? If it's thirty thousand views, that means thirty thousand. Well, that's pretty cool. And then I start mm. seeing my CD sales, which I'd already set up, start to tick over. I start selling CDs. I'm like, oh, hang on, someone's obviously liking this because they're buying CDs. And then the next day, it was up to one hundred ten, and then it was up to 
250 and then, was, and then all of a sudden it gets to a million and I'm like, what, what does that mean? Does a million views mean something? And I'm like, and I said yeah. to my daughter, oh, yeah, that video you helped me put up. She goes, yeah. I said, it's sort of, it's got like a million views. Does that, do you get paid or anything? What's that, what's that mean? She goes, what do you mean it's got a million views? So it's got a million views. I don't know what that means. She goes on there. And at that time, there was awards. When you put a video on YouTube, they give you awards. And I was in the top five or something, most watched Australian music video clips. And I was on that for like a year. Right, because oh, yeah. back then the record companies hadn't got onto it, so it just I just and I didn't know anything about it, so I just put the video up, started selling heaps of CDs, sold more CDs. Um, I think in the in the two three months I'd had uh, that on YouTube, I sold more CDs than the whole fifteen years we sold with the Lees. And I sold all these like gun CDs and went, oh yeah, this is something. And then from yeah. there, it just sort of all different opportunities came from. I ended up hunting all over, over the world, and I um, ended up at the NRA in Washington. Singing for the guys at the NRA, they got me over there twice. Went to a convention in um, um, what do you call it, uh, North Carolina, uh, Charlotte, and um, but it was just cool. Like it was just a great experience, and that that went on for. I, I mean, I milked that thing for years, you know, and then then eventually I brought out another CD, and and obviously I got the attention of other people, as we well know, and um, yeah, including the um, well, the federal police well, and stuff like that. Let's talk about that. Well, let's ease ease into that. Um, so <laughs> there's, no, there's no easing going on here, mate. It either is or isn't. Are we going to talk about it, or aren't we? <laughs> we will talk about it. We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll hit it straight in the face. So uh, after six years of producing firearm and hunting related content on YouTube in 2013, I'm going to, re- I'm going to read through all this here. Um, your A B C D H firearm license, your high caliber pistol permit, your firearms dealer license, your prohibited weapons dealer permit, your theatrical armor dealer and armor permit and paintball games permit were all revoked and accompanying firearms seized. What happened? How did that make you feel? What, 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 how did that, oh, man. well, it sort of gutted my life, but I saw it coming. I mean, I knew it was, I knew it was coming. They'd already rung me a couple of times. Registry said we're coming around to do a, a dealer's check. And, yeah. um, that, there was already alarm bells going off all the time with, with the registry. They were sort of on to me. They didn't like some of the things I was doing. They were nitpicking at different stuff. But I'd already had uh, quite a few disputes with um, some guys at the registry and uh, just told them what I thought about the way they were pushing firearms owners around. So I was, I've mm-hmm. never been backward and coming forward. So that didn't help my situation either. So I was already not in their good books as much to say, but you know, every time I, I did something, I'd, I'd get another license to try and cover what I was doing. So with the videos, let's say, you know, you can't really, um, you're making videos, but your general reason is hunting and target shooting. So mm. what are you doing with that? So then I'd say, well, I need a theatrical armors license. So I'd apply for that. And then I just kept changing my, try, trying to keep up the legislation. So the whole time I wasn't trying to break any laws. I wasn't trying to do anything wrong. So they came around and then there was a, they were just looking for some reason, some way to shut me down, in my view. Obviously, this is from my perspective, but yeah. um, they came around. They, I think they were pretty well came around with the idea to shut me down. So they, they'd had a whole lot of videos off YouTube that I'd already put on there and they've gone through all the breaches on the YouTube videos. Yeah, they'd say, you know, here you are shooting a uh, dealer's gun. Uh, when you're when you're not actually licensed for that, and, and I said, "Well, I am under this license," and they go, "Yeah, but you're not shooting in that purpose." All the technicality. So there's all this stuff going on, and um, it didn't didn't make me feel good at all, man. It was like uh, 
it it was painful. Like for a lot of years, it was just constant pain. You know, it was just not knowing where I was going in my life, how I was going to sort it out, whether it was going to get sorted out. And um, yeah, it was just, man, it was tough, real tough. Is it fair to say that you like guns, but you don't like court cases? Oh, I'm not keen on court cases at all. But I mean, I, I ended up fighting a lot of them myself. I, I got a barrister, I got a QC, I ended up in this federal court because I, I, uh, I went to NCAT eventually. So what, what basically happened was this. They took my licenses. I then, um, they, they tried to find some charges. They found about, I don't know, 50 charges, which reduced down to four. And the charges they basically got me on was shooting on an unauthorized range. Cause in their, from their perspective with my, um, everything else went away. Everything else was, was taken away except mm. for shooting on an unauthorized range. So the unauthorized range that I talked about was my paintball field where my dealer's license was. But my dealer's license did state on there that I was allowed to test fire any of the firearms there. So I yeah. was making videos under the guise of testing, and they're mm. saying, well, that that's not testing. And I said, what do you mean it's not testing? They said, you're shooting a birthday cake with an explosive in it. And I'm like, yep, I'm just testing to see what happens. They're like, yeah, no, nah, that's that's not <laughs> testing. And I, But it's because I was pushing all the boundaries, you know, I could. And I'm like, I want to stay within the law. I want to do all this stuff. I want to make a really cool channel because if, if you know anything about YouTube, there's ways of getting views. I mean, you, you've got to, from my perspective of my life too, you know, I, I, I like to push the boundaries on lots of things and, um, mm. but to stay within the law. But so when I, uh, when this came around, they, I went to court and they give me a section 101B and then I appealed and got a section 101A, which means does not, pro- does not proceed to conviction. So with all the charges, I didn't get anything. I got, no, no charges. So I wasn't charged in the end. It didn't proceed to conviction. So I didn't get any convictions. So then yeah. I said to the registry, well, can I have my licenses back? And they're like, yeah, we're not going to give them back. There's no way. So then I had to fight them in NCAT, um, which is a tribunal. So what they did mm. then was even though I hadn't been charged for anything, they just went through all the videos, went through everything, and every breach that I'd ever done, they would bring it up at NCAT saying, well, this is why this guy can't have a license. He can't be fit for a license. He does this. He does that. And there's a... A whole segment of things, and they were they, they were within their rights. A lot of the stuff that they were saying was correct, but not worth charging for. And because there were so yeah. many of them, and because they had so much evidence, and because it was all on YouTube, so in the end, I didn't get any charges. So I didn't get a ten year, the ten year um, ban from having firearms, which a lot of people do a crime and they get the ten year ban and they're done. Well, I didn't get that, which is unfortunate yeah. for me because that that made me just get fighting because I'm like. Well, if I haven't got a ban, I'm just going to keep mine. <laughs> so every time I said no, I just chucked in another application, and then it would all start again. And yeah. so um, after the first NCAT case, um, I got a really good um, sitting member in NCAT, and it took a long time. These guys dragged this thing out. What did you say it was? To 2015, was it the first case? 2013 is, is some of the information that I have about. It must yeah, 2013 is where it began. And then at the NCAT case, that's where it all began, 2013. And then um, I think it was about 2016. It took about two or three years to get through NCAT. And when it got through NCAT, um, basically the guy guy said to the registry, right, you've got to give him back his ABCDH, uh, his pistol Mm. and his um, uh, paintball license. And I'm like, I really want them all. I want my theatrical back. I want this because it was still new. I'm like, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And so then they said, you know, if they got an order from the um, NCAT, they went away, came back, and they they appealed and said, we don't think he should – and the uh, sorry, the, the 
NCAT said that they were going to keep my deal. I couldn't get back my dealers or my theatrical license. So the registry said, well, if he's not fit for one license, he shouldn't be fit for any. And so yeah. they went that and they, they beat me on that in NCAT somehow and they brought up some other, there's, there's these other sections they can do. It's called like a section 58, I think, where they can bring in evidence that you can't hear about. So they brought a bit of that stuff in. Now there's ongoing cases about me somewhere in the world. So I can't defend it. And they brought that to the magistrate. And in the end, the magistrate said, look, um, the sitting member said, we're not going to give you a license back after all. So then I appealed their appeal. But to appeal your appeal at NCAT, you've got to take it to um, the Supreme Court, the highest court in New South Wales. So I had to end up there. So I had to get a QC. And that, oh, man, that was just pain. It just wow. <laughs> it just bled me dry. Like it was just very, very expensive. Went all the way there. And then... Um, because um, I think one of my arguments I had or my main argument was that you couldn't appeal in law unless you had, um, uh, what was the clause? Um, it had to be a, the sitting member had to have made a mistake in law, I think it's called, something like that. Because it's called a, um, they have a yeah, point of law. That's what it's called, a point of law. They had to have a point of law where they could say, well, the magistrate gave me his license, but this point of law shouldn't have allowed him to do it. Anyway, they didn't have one of those points of law, but they still somehow won. And I'm like, hang on, this thing says here that you can't appeal unless you have a point of law. And they still appealed and somehow they got it through. And I'm like, I'm ropeable, right? So I think, right, I'm yeah. going to the Supreme Court. So I go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court guy says, what's your argument? And my QC says, well, they never had a point of law. So how can they appeal if they don't have a point of law? And um, after eight months of waiting for the law to come back, the magistrate basically said, I would hear your case, but I'm not going to because you don't have a point of law. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> it killed me. I'm like, are you serious? It can't be right. So anyway, so yeah, that knocked me around for sure. Yeah, that was, that was hard. Let me read some of the things in this documentation, some of the things you've already kind of alluded to. Sure. Because <laughs> it's pretty crazy stuff. Yes. Um, that they were alluding yeah. to and things that you end up being like absolved for. But um, using an authorized permit, sorry, using an unauthorized prohibited firearm between 13th of August 2012 and 16th of August 2003, namely a CZ Scorpion submachine gun pistol. Um, and when they, they claim that when they found it, it had live ammo in it after it was seized. Uh, and you own this under your theatrical license. Um, and that states that it kind of has to have be modified to shoot blank cartridges. Um, it operated uh, an unapproved shooting range, which you've talked about. Um, two counts of using a firearm, namely an M14 World War II rifle and a 45 pistol on the unapproved shooting range. They start to stack these things up, obviously. Um, selling, this one was confusing. Maybe you can help me understand this. Selling a, f a oh, firearm yeah. to a... A person unauthorized to possess it, namely a Harrington and Richardson M14, which you sold as a firearm dealer to yourself when he did not have a permit or a license to purchase it. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Uh, this and then wait, finally, there's one more. Um, possessing a firearm that you were not allowed, not authorized to possess, namely a Harrington and Richardson M14 rifle. So that's the same rifle that sold yourself. Yeah, so this is what I was dealing with in court. Oh, man. Uh, this is so boring for people. But anyway, I'll do the best I can. You don't have to answer. I'm just curious. No, no, that, that, I mean, I'll answer for sure because it's just these are the types of things you're just bringing it all up. How how insane it was in court. I'm just like, oh, you're serious. Yeah. So the, the the scorpion that I had, what had happened was it malfunctioned and a bullet. I was, I was testing it at, at a range, at a pistol range. I was testing <clears> it. It's <throat> semi-auto, but it it was a scorpion. So technically, 
It was a prohibited weapon in the sense of I bought from a theatrical armor while I was using it under my theatrical armor's license. Now, in the law, in the theatrical armor's law, it states that you cannot use or fire a blank firing cartridge that is not suitable for that gun. So what the law basically was saying was you can't put in a a um, uh, a nine mil into a forty five wouldn't fit anyway. But you can't put a, a, a one that's not designed for that gun, a blank firing cartridge. But the registry then came back up and said, "Now that means that you can only use blank fire." And I go, "No, it doesn't. You can have your gun shooting live ammo." They said, "No, you can only use blank fire when you're shooting on a movie set." I said, "Yeah, but when you test the guns, they need to still have live." And so I'm dealing with this stuff with the registry, and they're like, "Oh no." But later on, they tried it on another theatrical armor as well. And in the end, no, you can't actually have Wi-Fi. So even though they brought that against me, couldn't really prove it because it was just an interpretation of the way the law was written. It's just, yeah. anyway. And the, the M14 that I sold to myself, so what happened was, this was the way I saw it, and this is what happened. It was when uh, D-Class weapons, I wanted a 308 D-Class weapon for my theatrical armors, uh, for my um, contract shooting business. <clears throat> so I, wanted to, uh, I came across a um, M14. Great gun, 308. Um, I bought it, and then I was going to transfer it over to my D-Class. Rang the registry, they said, you can't have that gun. And this is where it all began for me. So the guy at the registry said, you can't have that gun. I said, just again. He says, no, you can't. You can't have that gun. I said, what do you mean? He says, it, the law states that you cannot have a gun that is used or designed for military purposes. And I said, yeah, it says is designed. This thing isn't designed any longer. So it was all about like, Technicalities, and I'm like, sure. Yeah, that's saying you can't have a modern weapon that the army's now using. And this was a discussion I was having with the guy, and I said, I think you can have this gun. So I rang another guy who no longer worked at the registry when this all came up, and I said to him, Look, if I put this M14 into my name and send it to you guys, can you guys review it, then send it back to me and tell me whether I can have it or not? And he's like, Sure, do that. So I send it in, and then they they try and charge me for selling myself a prohibited weapon. <laughs> okay, that's how it happened. That's how it happened. I mean, maybe this is a question for you is that given your kind of fame uh, and, you know, how I mean, it's not so much a case nowadays, but but older hunters who were kind of... Let's clarify you know, for a second. You mean my past, my past slight fame, but moving on from that, carrying on. <laughs> your slight fame. Uh, when this was all happening, I mean, yes. a lot of hunters knew about it. Um, especially uh, guys who are a little bit older than me, it's like very clear in their minds Uh, and they know about you and they know about this case. Um, Do you, do you find that lots of people who, who just kind of know the periphery information judge you negatively without understanding the context? And I'm not saying you're right or wrong in this situation, but I'm just saying, do you, do you find that people just tend to lean to, oh, like he was in court, therefore he must be a bad guy. Therefore he must be doing something wrong. Or uh, do people more understand? Don't know. I mean, one one great advantage that God gave me when He made me was He made me oblivious to what other people think. So I just walk <laughs> around not knowing. I don't know what you people think like of me. me. I just and and I just walk around going, oh, what they thought that really. I mean, I was sitting at a, I was sitting at a um, to give you some context. I was sitting at a uh, hunting camp one time. Um, there's all these guys sitting around. There was one guy there that I didn't know that didn't particularly like me. He was getting he was having a few beers, getting drunker and drunker. And um, halfway through the night, he um, <coughs> he uh, leans over and says, "Oi!" And, he's, and everyone's talking. And he interrupts everyone and goes, "Oi, Lee!" Said, "Yeah, mate." Because how does it feel to be a one-hit wonder? And I said, "Well, what's it feel like to be a one-hit wonder?" 
I said, well, to tell you the honest truth, I, I never knew I had a hit. feels fantastic. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for letting me know. Yeah. But I was serious. I didn't know that he was having a go at me. And then a guy comes up to me later and goes, you really deflected that? And I just said, deflected what? <laughs> i got no idea. So I don't know what oh, people think of me. Great. I don't know what people thought about it. All I knew was, all I knew was, like when all that stuff happened, I thought, well, if people were seriously interested in looking at it, they could probably ask me, or they could just read the court cases themselves, or read between yeah. the lines, because that's how I perceive other people. I mean, I just take people at face value, and so I don't know. I didn't, don't know what people thought. Of me. Didn't care. Probably still don't. <laughs> it's interesting. Um... That your that your position that way. I, I'm I'm very much similar in that I kind of I just live in my own little bubble. I just do life, and um, I, I get yeah. excited by things and passionate about things. And like like you, maybe um, I I just tend to get really focused. And I my, often it's my wife who says, "Should you really be doing that?" Like I know that you're not wrong, Chris, but like other people may not think that way. Like they may misinterpret this way or that way. And so she's great at curbing me. But um, like. You, like you said, you love to push the boundaries and there's videos of you like firing RPGs and firing, you know, grenade launches. And, and there's a there's a video of you, I imagine it's in Cambodia with a hand grenade and, and you and some mates are with with a guide are throwing these hand grenades into a pond. I'm just showing you my hand grenade pin. Yeah, is that the one? Yeah, that's one of them. I don't know. I've thrown that many now. I don't know. Well, so you're throwing this hand grenade and, and you say to the guide, hey, can I throw it there? pointing to the edge of the pond and he goes no 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 throw it here in the middle and you say no can i can i throw it there and you go no no i, I want to throw it he's like no no just throw it here and so you pull the pin and then you just throw it there like you just threw it on the edge and obviously it made the biggest explosion out of all of them because it was on the edge um and do you, do you find that gets you into trouble the fact that oh man it's funny you say that because not the last ncat but the one before that the 17 2017 when i went to ncat they brought that exact thing up, that video and everything. He brought it up mm. and said, Mr. Lee can't be trusted with a firearm because this guy here is telling him not to throw it in there. And I said, that's not what he's saying. He goes, yeah, it is. I said, mate, the guy's speaking in Khmer, which is Cambodian. I go, what, you speak Khmer? And he goes, well, no. I said, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't throw it in the shallow water. And I said, can I throw it there, which I knew was in the shallow water because I've thrown the thing in there about 30 times, mate. So I knew yeah. it would make a bigger jump, but I've done it that many times before. And it's yeah. funny you say that because that was brought up in court. Just remind so even me then, of it's, it's, again. Yeah, it's fascinating that like even, I mean, like, yeah, anyone can kind of take something out of context. He, he's, maybe here's another one. Um, uh, you're, there's a video of you firing an RPG, uh, I believe with your son. Uh, and the, one of the opening scenes in the, in the video is you're in the car. I believe you're in the driver's seat and there's two guys in the back. And they've got RPGs in their laps with live ammunition. It looks like live ammunition and you're fanging it. You're like, rrr, rrr, rrr. and I think it might be your son in the background is going like, dad, hey, mate, like, <laughs> calm down, calm down. And you're just like having yeah. a ball. Um, like, it, is that an example of this as well? Is that an example of misunderstood context or was that actually dangerous and you were just understood the danger and you were mitigating it or uh, as much as you felt was look, reasonable? Like, I mean, there is a... Perceived danger is one thing you're looking for on YouTube videos. You want to have perceived danger without actually having any danger. And a lot of the time yeah. is there's always a degree of danger in, in things you do, but you can make it look like it's way more dangerous than it is, but it's a controlled environment. I mean, my son, obviously, Jared, he pulls me up all the time. If I didn't have my son around, I'd probably be out of control. And um, my <laughs> wife used to say to me, you know, it's it's weird that the dad in this family, the kids always say, like, dad, can you grow up? Like, 
I'm like, I don't know, what do you say? But but Jared was with me that day in the car, and he's like, yeah, I do have live stuff in here, but I mean, to, to, for just to drop on the ground or anything like that, for anything like that to go off, man. These guys, they, these things are in tanks. These things are bouncing around cars all the time, so it's perceived danger. But the risk is so minimal. I mean, sure, something could go wrong, possibly, but something could go wrong with just about everything. Something could go wrong when you walk across the road. Something could go wrong any time. But if you're, if you're going to do YouTube videos and you want to have sort of like a bit of fun and perceived danger, sure. But I didn't know. I, was, I wasn't doing it for perceived danger. I was just having a good time. I wasn't yeah. really thinking that much about it. I didn't think it was dangerous because I knew that stuff was in the back and it was sort of, it was fine. In my view, <laughs> here I am. I'll push I'll push back like in, in love. Um, don't you think though that the yeah, consequence yeah, yeah. of one of those RPGs going off, like it's like... Perceived danger could be, hey, I'm I'm throwing a knife up and down. I'm catching it, throwing it up and down, and eventually I might catch blade and cut myself. But I'm going to, I'm just going to cut myself. Like that's the worst I could do. Maybe I'd sever a tendon or something if I was really unlucky. But if an RPG goes off in a car full of other RPGs, surely like the stakes are a bit higher, even if you even if yeah, it's under control. Like I like I was saying to you before, how is an RPG going to go off? RPGs need to be fired. They need to have a charge on them. It doesn't. It's like it's like saying you're driving around in a car with a um, a belt of MO in the back, and it might fall off, and the yeah. primer might go off. It's it's yeah. like the chance of that happening is so minuscule. I don't even know if it's even happened that I can think of. It'd have to hit on a point where you're in the same boat with an RPG. You're in the same boat with these other explosives. It's it's just a bigger version of a firearm of yeah. a bullet. So when I say that it's it's more about perceived danger, but you should probably get a job with the firearms registry um, har- harassing people because you might help them win in their cases because that's the attitude they have. Let's talk about your son. Because um, <laughs> uh, your son's your cameraman. Um, he looks he looks like you guys get along really well. You have a great relationship. Uh, he was involved, though, in that case in some regards. Like it was brought up, the, the infamous 45 caliber birthday party. Did you want to talk about yeah. that That. That video. Oh, yeah, I mean, that, that was another one of those situations. Well, what happened with that situation? Number one, when that happened, uh, we did the video, but when all this um, happened um, with me getting my licenses taken, at the time, he was in Cambodia opening an orphanage. He was living there with his wife for 12 months. So they were running a, a Christian school over there. So they, they, because we've been going to Cambodia and we got to know some people, so he wanted to do some mission work. So we went over there and did that for 12 months there, opening a school, which is still going now. So it's a school for. The firearms registry were after him even then when he was over there about him still having his license when he's over there and not telling me. It was just it was horrendous stuff. But anyway, but he came back. It was all good. But uh, the problem with that video, so he lost his license for six months. I think it was about six months because. So when you apply for a high caliber pistol permit, it's a twelve month permit. So he applied for it, got his high caliber pistol permit, which was four months before his license was about to expire. Got his high-caliber pistol permit, um, then reapplied for his license, got his license back. I gave him the high-caliber pistol to shoot out there because it was like five a, a month after he got his license back or whatever. And then they came back and said he wasn't licensed. And he's like, when I got this license four months ago, how am I not licensed? And they go, because you've, you've got to get it every 12 months. He goes, yeah, but I only got four months ago. I said, oh, yeah, but it cancels once you apply for your other license. So it's only the 12-month period on your license. 
or something like that. Oh, okay. So he was sort of unlicensed at the time he was shooting that 45. And he was shooting it at my dealer's location. So that, with that in mind, that thing there was straight out when you read the legislation. <clears throat> he couldn't have done it even under my dealer's. If he was working for me, there was sort of like maybe it's a long shot, but you'd have to register him down as being working for me and all that sort of thing. So so at the time, we believed, and the courts came back, came back and said, yeah, we believe that you guys did think he was licensed, but it still stands that he really wasn't supposed to be shooting it not on a range. He was shooting it out of your place. Even though you say he was test firing, it wasn't his gun, it's not really testing. And I said, well, what is testing? And they said, well, the legislation doesn't state what it is, but it's not that. Were there any consequences for him? Yeah, he lost his license for like uh, six months or something. Yeah, so he got his back yeah. relatively quick. Yeah. 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 Well, some, something that I, I found um, particularly interesting about this case <clears throat> when reading through it was this line, and I'll, I'll read it out and then you can comment on it. Um, it says, The evidence shows <clears throat> that the applicant, that's yourself, to be a man of good character and a pillar of the Parks community. He has no association with questionable elements. While his record is not unblemished, he there's the cheekiness in you, uh, he receives strong support from prominent referees. The Mayor of Parkshire, Councillor Ken Keith, OMA, sorry, sorry OAM, uh, Bishop West, Westcott, and the Honourable Rob Borsack, MLC. Thus, the comprehensive... Uh, Gus- Thus, comprehendingly representatives of community, church, and state. Uh, my question for you is: How important is it for uh, men and women to have standing in the community? It seemed to be quite important for you, uh, and came through for you in the end. Well, I think it's good to be to be a pillar of the community. I, th- I think you want to have a good reputation. Not that I strive for it. I just want to be that guy. I, I don't want to be the guy with a bad reputation. I don't want to be the guy down the street that. People lock their stuff up because they think he's going to knock it off. Or I don't want to be the guy that you can't talk to straight because he's going to going to thump you or something. I don't want to be that guy. So, so I just think in general, it's important just in friendship, in 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 life, just to love your neighbour as yourself. You know, to to treat people as you want to be treated. So I think that's highly important. I mean, even in my last um, the last NCAT hearing that I had, I got twelve references in the end. I thought I'm going to I'm going to go to all the people I know and go to and, um, I got I references. From, I mean, I thought why not, you know? So, but I had like principal from the school who I know really well. I've hunted with. I've gone out to his place and shot foxes for him, um, and I've known him over the years since I since I got my before I got my license back. So that guy there, I went trapping for him when I lost my license. I went out there trying to trap foxes for him, but he's now the principal of the school here in town. I think that the librarian, I knew the librarian quite well. He, he's actually worked for me as a pyrotechnician, the librarian. Um, so then there was a, a couple of police officers. So there's two police officers and every police officer. That's ever, great. Li- librarian slash pyrotechnic. Oh, yeah, he's pretty cool. He's a cool guy. But, um, yeah, and I had uh, ex-police officers. I had a, a police officer once did do a, um, a reference for me, which they're not allowed to do. And he said, look, I'm still going to do it. And he said, I can't say I'm a police officer in the reference. So he just wrote his name on there. But but in the reference, he goes, I met Mr. Lee whilst checking his gun safe to see whether it was safe. <laughs> I'm like, it's a bit of a giveaway. Like, thanks for writing it in there. But, you know. Cheeky, I cheeky. said, can I write on the envelope from a police officer? And he goes, yeah, you can. Yeah, but he got in trouble, man. He got wrapped over the knuckles for that, for sure. They, yeah. they, they were not impressed with him at all. So the registry went after him and said, look, 
you can't go writing references for people. Because I don't think they're, they're, they're legally allowed to because it can lead to anything, I guess. But then I had another ex-police officer um, with the last case I did. Because no matter what happened with these things, you've got to understand when you go to NCAT for all these times. They're trying to stop me from having my license for anything. Right? So in the end, because I'm a pyrotechnician, I've been a pyrotechnician now for 25 years. They tried to get me on everything I ever did wrong as a pyrotechnician. They, they went back to my record from when I was... I think the earliest thing they got was like when I was 15 or something. They had every, every record you've ever known, they bring it all up to the magistrates. Everything, they go all the way back. <clears throat> my, in the end, one of the reasons I couldn't get my license was because of my bad driving record. And they said, if you can't abide by driving rules, how can you then abide by firearms laws? And I see their argument, but it's completely flawed. But um, because many people like, have high integrity in one area and other areas they lack. You know, that's just, just human nature. But that doesn't mean if you can't control yourself in this area, you can't in others. That's my view because that's who I am. And um, so, yeah. I, but I do think, back to your question, I do think that um, having a good standing community, I mean, I like to have a good standing community. I like people, I guess I like people to know I'm there for them. I don't care really what people think about me, but I want people to know that I'm available. I'll help out. You know, uh, we just had all these floods come through parks and um, I went and helped one of the guys from our church pull up his floorboards and do what I can there and, and I'll do whatever, you know. There's, but, but I just see the whole community. It's not just me personally. I've seen a whole heap of guys putting stuff on Facebook going, you know, we're giving up work for the next week. We're going to go and help all these guys at Ugara and everything. But they're people you look at and go, yeah, They've got, they've got good integrity. So I think it's important, and, and I like them guys. You know, I just don't even know those people, but if I see them on the street, I'll walk up and shake their hand and go, you did, you did a good thing. Interesting that you mentioned the, the driving because it's, it's interesting in that you can kind of have deficiencies in one area of life um, but still be okay to have a firearm. I guess the question is where do you draw that line? Because one of the things that they mentioned was um, in, that, in that case that, in 2010, I think you exceeded the speed limit while driving between 30 and 45 kilometers per hour, which is like... Oh, come okay. on, I was in a rush. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who hasn't done that? Um, but they did say that in 2012, you were convicted for driving on the road while your license was suspended. Like that's that's kind of a little bit, you know, that's kind of up there in terms of driving offenses. I mean, f- for you, where would you draw the line in terms of, how many, in your eyes, how many convictions or what would the nature of the convictions have to be before you would say, okay, you can't own a firearm now? Or is there no end to that list for you? Like, oh, for, for driving offences? For just driving Any offences? Well, well let's, go, let's start with driving and then we can talk about other offences. Well, I'd have to, it's all case by case basis in my view on most things, right? So just to say if someone's got a bad driving record, they can't have a gun licence to me is ridiculous, right? Because I know who I am. And I know that no matter how much you're going to ask me to if I do anything wrong on the road, I'm not going to do the same with firearms. It's just not going to do that. It's not the same. We're not in the same ballpark as far as I'm concerned. So pulling those things out, I mean, but this is the way the world's going. This is the way the court system going. This is the way the police go. They look at your character. And they used to do this to criminals. So what they do is they they get a criminal and they look at all these charges he's had over his life and they'd, they'd do this. They'd go back to all the charges and they'd accumulate who he still is from the way he's acted all these years. Yeah. But what the firearms registry has done and where, where the world has now gone is you don't even got to get charged for anything anymore. They'll go on your Facebook, and if you've got a comment stating something, I mean, there was a guy in Victoria, a guy with a gun license, who stated that he didn't like Muslims being here in Australia, so they took his gun license. I'm like, what? So they, 
he had to fight that in court and get his gun license back. It was only the one one of the joys of my of me or the court cases. The the lawyer. The only reason I know about that story is the lawyer rang me and says, "Steve, I just want to tell you, I had this guy in Victoria, and they took his license off of him because um, because of this situation, Tommy's situation." He says, "The way I won was I used a court precedent, which was your case, and which they tried to say that you." Because some of your videos stated you didn't agree with the gun laws in Australia, that you mm. then couldn't be fit to have the... But the magistrate said, we still live in a country where you're free to have a point of opinion where it doesn't... Just because you say you don't agree with something doesn't mean you're going to break the law because of it. Yeah. And so he used my case and that guy got his gun license back. Sorry, that guy won the case. The sad news is they then appealed it and then he lost <laughs> But it was a good yeah. start. It was a good story until the punchline. Yeah. So anyway, but 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 that's the general gist. So so with guns, when you say uh, with um, driving offences, I don't know, man. I mean, what happens if you were doing 150 in a in a school zone during you know nine nine o'clock? Kids are running around. You're doing 150. You're doing 160. Like, I mean, that well, you kind won't of get gives... a gun license anyway because you'll be in jail for being a complete idiot. Like what? What you, sure. That's a stupid question. What do you mean? <laughs> someone's doing 150 in a school zone. What are you talking about? I'm trying to create theoretical. I'm trying to go deeper. I'm trying to go deeper, Steve. You're not well, letting me go that? deeper. You... I don't know. Who are these what if someone did? What if, okay. Well, okay, they're an idiot. Give me an example. Stick, stick him in jail. <laughs> they're doing 150. You're going to run over me grandkids. Like, come on. Give me an example then of a, a law, a, a breaking of a law in your mind. It doesn't have to be car related. It could be, it could be anything. That would then demonstrate that that person is unfit to to ha- have a firearm, assault or. Oh yeah, I mean assaults are a problem. Um, I would like would like to look at the circumstances in New South Wales. You can't apply for a license for ten years once you do any type of assault thing if you're convicted, right? But these days, yeah. if you get an AVO on you, no matter the circumstances, you lose your gun license, and then pos- quite possibly, yes. if you don't fight it, you then lose it for ten years. That sort of thing is a case by case basis. They need to check those things out because there's two sides to every story. So when I look mm. at those things, I'm like, man, this guy's been shafted for sure. And the the law and, and the law now is written against firearms owners in so many different angles. All of the scenarios you come up with, it could go either way. And that's yeah. and, and I can see that. Like if, if you're a, a repeat driving offender, unlike me, who I was, I mean, it's hard for me <laughs> to say this because I don't think they should have taken my license for my driving offences. And I, I might have had like 35 driving offences, but come on, it was over 40 years. It's like one a year, yeah. mate. It's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and when I read them, I'm like, really? Because when they and when they sent the stuff to me, to be completely honest, right? With that, with when it comes to me, if I'm going to be completely honest about, many times I would read the cases that they would produce to show the magistrate about me, and I would read the case and go. I wouldn't give me a license either. If yeah. that's who I am, if this On is paper, who they're trying to portray paper. me to be, yeah. I wouldn't give me a license either. I don't know how I can win this because he's only seeing what this says, and this is horrendous. But I don't know. It's like it's like um, it's like good old Donald Trump, right? I mean, the guy needs to just control his tongue, right? The guy just, in yeah. my view, he 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 has some great ideas. He does a whole lot of things, but the issue I have is his bad point and his good point are the same point. It's just the way he uses them. 
And so me being outgoing, me like taking risks, me achieving a whole lot of my life can get me in trouble when it comes to firearms. But I have a great business because of it. I have a great marriage. I mean, I achieve a lot of things I want to achieve because I'm always taking risk. So when it comes to firearms, it becomes a lot different because you can't take risk with firearms because it's scary, mate. And you can't put it on YouTube because it's scary. I'm like, man, my life is full of risk. Life is full of risk. And a lot of the time I achieve things by taking not illegal risks, but business is risky. Like life is risky. Being a Christian is mm. risky. All these things are risky, but I do them yeah. anyway. And um, yeah. and so then when it comes to firearms, if you're going to say, you know, what what's what's a thing for someone not to get a not to have a firearms license? I mean, repeat violent offenders, sure. I mean, this ten year thing's ridiculous. You know, there's, there's got to be a way that you can come back to the courts and say, look, two years ago we got in a brawl at the pub. You weren't there. The guy did something to me, misses. It was an unfortunate situation. I know I've, I've been fined for assault, but this is a circumstance. You can't even do that with a 10-year ban. You can't explain yourself why you just got a 10-year ban. So I'm not in for a lot of that stuff. But how do you siphon it out? Well, that's their job. But Steve, do you think guns are, are that important or our freedom or right to have guns is, is so strong that someone just can't wait 10 years? Like what's 10 years like not having guns when you've done something serious? I mean... Yeah, it, I don't know. Why don't you just uh, put your guns in your cupboard for ten years, not shoot them, and then come and tell me what ten years is? Three thousand six hundred and fifty <laughs> days, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I love I love hunting, and and I and I use my guns for that. And in fact, I enjoy hunting with a gun more than. I mean, I'm just I'm very new to hunting with a bow, so I haven't fully fleshed that experience out yet. But um, I feel like Two if I down. if I'd <laughs> if I've been involved in an assault where I'd smashed someone, just absolutely pounded them to the curb, and then I got 10 years, no license, I don't think, even if I reformed, and this is just me personally, this is, uh, this, and this can only come from my brain and my experience because it's me. I can't speak for other people. But like, I feel like if that was the ruling, as much as I liked guns or hunting, I'd be okay with it. I'd be like, okay, that was the ruling. Ten years. I'm even if I'm better after two, or I'm a better man, or I have more self control. That's still the law, and I still need to sit under that. And I I need to accept that that was the punishment for my behaviour. And regardless of whether I've improved or not, the fact is that I that was the consequence, and I've got to live with that. Is that fair? Sorry, or? that that's fair if that's the law. But I'm saying it shouldn't be the law. So we're having two different conversations here. I'm saying the law shouldn't be that strict. It should be case-by-case basis. You're saying if that is the law, I know that's the law, so don't shoot. If you pound someone, and a second ago, in the way you explained it, you're a pretty violent sort of guy. I mean, you're pounding this guy into the footpath? What are you doing? I mean, did you accidentally have a fight with him, or are you pounding this guy into the footpath? I don't think you should have a gun license either. You're going to pound him into the footpath. What, are you stomping on his head? I don't know what you're doing. But, you know, it's it's... I um, it's it's degrees, you know. I think there is degrees, and a lot of the times now, like the Greens, for instance, the Greens Party refuses even with drugs and a whole lot of things. They and most politicians refuse to have um, mandatory sentencing in just mm. about everything, except for firearms. Mandatory sentencing of ten years without a gun, because they said that's how long it takes. Well, it might on some, and some might never be allowed to have the gun license back. I get that. But there's plenty out there who fall through the cracks, man. And the and the thing about the ten year thing now is the firearms uh, have have, have weaponised that, and they're using that against firearms owners all the time. 
and it's just a constant thing where they will take your gun license for just about anything of the slightest bit of, of, of danger. And that's just the way they see yeah. it. And I'm not yeah. saying you should need to break that law. Don't break the law. The law is the law. You're sick of that. That's what the law is. I think the law is too harsh. I think it needs to be, um, for some circumstances, like, like when you're bashing a guy in the footpath, whatever you're doing to that guy, sure, get your 10 years. <laughs> but if you backhand some guy for like chasing your daughter or something and, and it, would, it was too old for her or something and you, and, you, and you get angry and you're looking after your kids, not 10 years, man. I'm not in. Are you worried that um, that the context of these things gets lost in the court because all the, all the magistrate says is a piece of paper that says he he pounded this guy into the curb, but nothing else is in it, and and because of the it fear around like guns in, in Australia. Yeah, well, there is a lot of that, but a lot of, a lot of the time in court you can't explain it away, and you got you. But unfortunately, it just comes down to a fight between two lawyers. I mean, the the good yeah. thing about NCAT, and a lot of people don't use it, is you can defend yourself. And, and if I was going to give anyone a suggestion about going to NCAT, defend yourself, man, because you get a lot of um, – that, that's what that was originally designed for, is to defend yourself. And as soon as you get a lawyer to defend you and they have a lawyer, it just becomes another court case. And then it becomes what you're talking about where it always just gets lost and it's just a piece of paper and they don't see the, the heart of the guy who actually has the thing against him. So if you're going to NCAT, you've got to show the sitting member your perspective from from your heart and and most even when I got my license back originally uh, when I won the first time I just sat in there with my personality with the situation and, and explained every single everything they brought up on video I'd explain a lot of them to the guy and in the end he said look this guy can have his license back so within after all that thing had happened they gave me my license back but then the registry appealed on a secret thing that I wasn't allowed to know about which there's yeah. another one that they've another thing that they've weaponized. They've got this secret thing in NCAT where the police can bring out if they think there's an ongoing case, um, if there's an ongoing case that they don't want the um, the guy, which is, was me at the time, to know about. <clears throat> they say we don't want to tell him what the, what the circumstances. This is what we want to tell the magistrate, and then the magistrate can decide on hearing that without me being able to defend what they're talking about. <clears throat> now, what the registry have done now, and not just registry, other other organisations, but particularly the registry, they've used that um, clause in the law, that thing that, that that advantage that they have, and just brought up cases that are <clears throat> you can't defend them, and you don't even know what they're saying. Yeah. It's it, that's that's not not. I don't think there's any freedom in that. Can we um can we talk about living with the enemy, the SBS series that you're a part of? Because cool the yeah that like the court stuff. Negative, but at the end of the day, you came out of it and you've got your licenses and you're moving on with life. But uh, living with the enemy was a really oh, well, well, it seemed yeah. like a really four weeks ago. <laughs> four weeks really? ago, that... I got them back. Come on, nine and a half years, man. Nine really? Is that, is that when you got them back? Nine and a half years. Yeah, four weeks ago. This is the wow. first interview I've done since I've got my license back. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you for thank you for entertaining me. Steph. I actually Let's talk thought about that's why. <laughs> thought that's why you contacted me. Well, I, I part of it is in the sense that someone else knew this. I I didn't know that. Um, but we have a mutual friend who who you contacted uh, when you saw one of the podcasts that we did, and I thought, and I knew about you, and so I thought, well, that it'd be great to talk to you. But um, I didn't know that specifically, so that's crazy. But. So talk to me about living with the enemy that aired in 2014 and, and what was that about? What was your experience with that? What did you take away from that experience? 
Uh, I mean, I, I loved doing that show. I mean, it was it was really good for me. At that time, <clears throat> I was still struggling. And the court cases were relatively new. I couldn't take firearms. So they wanted a guy to go on the show who could take it someone out shooting. And I'm like, great. I don't have a gun license. But they came around and did an interview with me. And they, they said, you're the guy we, you're the guy we want on this show, right? And I, I rang my guy who'd come to Cambodia with me, my mate, uh, the, the guy who worked on Channel Live. And he said, Steve, you got to run 100 miles away from this thing. I said, why? He said, these shows, it's done by SBS. There is no way they are going to lean towards you. It's going to be 100%. Mm. You're going to be the bad guy from the start. And they're going to crucify you. That's the purpose of the show. I wouldn't go on it. I said, you know what? <clears throat> I think I could do this show and, and do it with integrity. And I think I could just... Just open the door for people to see another perspective. And, and I, I'm in. I want to do it anyway. And he said, look, I advise you not to do it. And I said, thanks for your advice, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because I'm a risk taker. But I live dangerously. <laughs> An advantage to being a risk taker yet again. So <laughs> so anyways, I went on the show and I needed someone to shoot. And I didn't think it would hurt the shooters if it was the farmer's party. So I rang up Robert and said, Robert, I've got to go on the show. Um, would you come on there? Because I can't use a gun. I've got this... This, this freaking bow. I've got to shoot a bow on there. Like, anyway, he said, I'll come on if you want me to. So I rang the, the guys from the, um, uh, I think it was Shine, and I said, listen, can I invite a guy to come shoot you? They go, who is it? And I said, Robert Borzak. They go, what? The politician. I said, yeah, man, could he come on the show with me and just do some shooting stuff? He goes, yeah, if you can get him on the show, for sure. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, we want this. This will add to the show for sure. So anyway... So I rang Robert and he was keen to come and he was great on the show, so good. And Jared came out with me and um but man, it was such a good experience. I mean, I really liked the film crew. They stayed here at our house here. They came out here and, and even even the um uh, the lady I can't even think of her name now, but I have called her a few times since that time. Um I don't mind, she's not a bad lady. I don't know if she's like cuckoo, but that's another story. Um she uh she was good on the show. I, I enjoyed being on the show with her. She was very, very emotional, but she was very passionate. Maybe explain the premise of the show, because not everyone knows what the theme of the show is. Sorry, the premise of the show, the premise of the show was I had to live for. Uh, it was called Living with the Enemy, where two opposing sides of a, of an argument would live together and experience the other person's life. So. The person I got to live with was the um, one of the uh, leaders or runners or one of the people in the animal lib of Victoria. So they were people who like opposed duck hunting. They opposed all types of hunting. They, they pretty well opposed guns. They don't even like eating meat and all this sort of stuff. So that was her. Felicity, that was the name, Felicity. Yeah, nice lady. Anyway, so they didn't tell me who I was going to be with, and they just said, we're going to get someone who opposes your view of guns and hunting. And I said, yeah, sure. So she then had to come to my place after I went to her place in Melbourne, and then I took her out hunting, and I took her out with Robert Borzak out of a place to shoot pigs or whatever, and we had to see whether we could get any. Anyway, and um, so she came on the show, as you well know. I think you can you can get it on um, Apple. I think you can buy it for two bucks on, on de- Apple Downloads if you want to watch the series. It's worth watching. It's episode six of Living with the Enemy, SBS. Anyway, give them a bit of a plug. Why not? So the... Um, <laughs> the premise of the show was to see the reaction of and see whether one person could change the other person's mind. And um, from the moment I got on, I just it was just so good from the moment I went in there. I'm just with these these animal libs who are just so 
what's the word? Ah. They're just so lost in their, their, their ambition to save animals. And I'm just like, man, if you guys could use this same passion to serve Christ or to read your Bible or be a Christian, man, you could change the world. Man, all you want to do is like save a few ducks. Serve mad. people. Like what? <laughs> oh, you just sent me insane, you know. And I'm like, oh, man. Because they're very, very passionate about what they had. And um, so I went down there, did her stuff. I went on a duck hunt with her where they, they, were, they were duck protesting and everything. And I remember one of the lines at the end of it, she says to me, uh, and she took me to this great place, you know, and everything um, down uh do you remember the show? So do you remember the place I went to? It was in Victoria. It was on a big lake that had been built by hunters. I haven't rewatched I it recently. It. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I went on that. And then I remember one line on there. She says to me, have you learned anything today, Steve, since you've been with us? So the Cameron guys asked me. She's standing there. I said, yeah, I have actually. They said, what's that? So I I've learned that it's really accessible to come duck hunting. I think I'm going to come next year. This is fantastic. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no, that's not what we're looking for. <laughs> so there was that. And then we brought her, and then we brought her out here out here after that. So I did that stuff with her and then we brought out pig shooting and, and Robert Borzak in classic style, right? We go, we've got a film crew. So there's, so you got a picture this. I'm taking them. She stays at my house and she sees all my heads and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, it's funny because she saw a, she saw a zebra skin table here and it was all ad lib right all the time. So she sits, she sees it on the ground. She goes, you, you, you've stuffed a zebra's legs. She goes, okay, yeah. Well, I didn't know. I mean, I bought it. She goes, would you do that to anybody? Because they call pe- people people. And I go, oh, I wouldn't do it to me grandma or anything, but I'd, <laughs> I'd do it to her. Yeah, do it to somebody for sure. Anyway, cl- classic lines like that. I, was just, I always look back on them and go, yeah, I'm glad I said that. Anyway, she comes out, we take her out hunting, and she's not happy about being here and everything. And I live on a farm and everything as well. So she comes out, and then Robert Borzak, he gets in front of us. So there's me and her and Jared, two sound guys, two cameramen, the producer, two security guys because we've got a firearm out, Robert Borzak and someone with him. So there's like 11 of us walking up this hill. Still and they go, yeah, can you take us on a pig hunt? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I think I'm okay, but I'm, I'm sort of good when it comes to hunting in some aspects, but I've never even been to this property before. And I went to send the property and I said, where would I find them up on those hills over there? He goes, oh, you might go to that day and there might be someone there. Who knows? Anyway, so we get walking up this hill and I'm just talking to Felicity and gabbering on, and as she said, and just making noise and everything. And then I look up, up ahead of us and Borzak's with this other guy, the camera guy. And then he just goes, shh. And I turn and he goes, boom, shoots two pigs in one shot, right, on camera. So the cameraman gets the shot. <laughs> He's there. She's two pigs in one shot. She is hysterical calling us animals. And I'm like, I thought you liked animals. Like, what the hell? So anyway, she and my dog's there. We're people. Licking all the blood off this poor animal. And, oh, it's just, just, but it was just such a great scene. And I just don't know how I pulled that one off because I'm just like, how do you take 11 people hunting up a hill and then get pigs? I'm just, That's how crazy. does that ever happen? That's crazy. And then to get it all on camera, it was so good. And so that got that made on television. But I thought it made for good television, but I'm in it, so I'm probably a bit biased, but I thought it was a good show. But it was a good experience think- for me, and I enjoyed it. And it helped me at the time. It helped me at the time in my court case because I used that, that episode in my court case to show my personality, and I used it in my defense mm. when I went to um, mm. NCAP. I said, look, this is who I am outside of me making it up. You want to see who I am? You want to see my character? 
watch this show. I didn't produce this show. This is just a show produced by a, a movie company showing who I am. And that, that, that didn't hurt me at all when it came to that. So that was helpful as well. Did you learn anything from that experience from the opposing side? Did you take anything away from it? Only one thing I really learned, and I never really put it into words. I never really thought. She kept saying to me, all animals are individuals. And I'm like, no, they're not just animals. They're not individuals, right? But I think I already knew they were, but I had never really acknowledged the fact that every animal you shoot is different. You, know, you see foxes, and it's a fox. They have the same characteristics. They do the same things. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, I guess every animal has an individual personality. And I, and I took that away from it. So I thought, mm. well, there is some reality in that. Because I own cows, I own sheep. I mean, every sheep is mildly retarded. But besides from that, they do have a personality somewhere in there. But And, and even cattle, they I've got a whole lot of cows. I know some of my cows. Like I, Not like I know I'm going to go out for drinks with them or anything. But I, I know me cows. Like I know which cow's going to do what, which one's going to be a pain at the gate, which one's going to do this. And I suppose it made me understand animals better. They do have characteristics, do have personalities. But it sort of made me a better hunter because then I realized mm. they have characteristics that are, are all the same for each species. But they have individual characters that they do the same sort of things they do think that they're, they're creatures of habit so they do have personality yes so felicity thank you you made me a better hunter by realizing that yeah they are individuals as well as within their own species did felicity learn anything from you that did she kind of take away anything about the positives behind hunting or the kind of wholesomeness that sits behind it or the close, I mean, it should be difficult for her to, to kind of connect to the, the food element, but was, do you think there was anything that she took away from that experience that was positive? She said she didn't take anything away from it. She just, it just clarified that we're brutal, I think it was like brutal or barbaric, uh, not connected to our feelings, all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, eh, possibly. I mean, she didn't really change <laughs> much. She already thought that before she came there. So I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's probably who I am, but yeah, what do you want me to do? Let's talk yeah. about hunting. I want to talk about hunting specifically. Um, I I came back. I've watched some of your videos in the past, but um, leading up to this conversation, I thought I'll just do a, a bit of a like a re a refresh. And I watched a bunch. Do of I still videos. get views? Um, oh, I don't know, mate. You got you got a couple from got a couple from me today. Yeah, because I don't know anymore. They still keep sending me checks, but I don't know how many views I get. <laughs> I haven't looked at my channel for like. It's just too depressing. I stopped looking at it. I'm just like, yeah, I, I want to be that guy. I'm just not. Well, well. So <laughs> I, I think yeah. the the. I mean, your, your videos on your British Columbia moose and what turned into a bear hunt were just yeah. insane, incredible. Like, and I, this is coming from someone Thanks, who produces man. a lot of hunting content. I do it by myself. I know how difficult it is. Oh, um, so hard. And I, I know how hard it is to communicate to the kind of keep the pacing right, to communicate the story, to to be authentic, to get the animal on camera when it's shot, to that whole process is so difficult. And watch and I don't like watching most hunting videos. I can't stand them because I just get really frustrated with them being poorly done and it just doesn't doesn't do a service to the experience. It doesn't help communicate clearly and effectively what this experience actually is, how it feels to be in a hunt, how what that adrenaline feels like, what the kill feels like, what the art, like all that whole thing. And I watched your videos, those two specifically, the moose one and the bear one. And I was like, 
I was on the edge of my seat. And I don't I don't say this to pump up your tires because I don't particularly care yeah. what you think yeah, about yeah. that. But yeah. um but like there was especially I was I think I watched the moose one first and you kind of you kind of in this alpiney, snowy like area and you're moving between these trees and then you you spot the moose uh and and I'm just like and he just his head's popping out, and I'm like, I felt like saying, "Steve, shoot it, shoot it! What are you doing? Shoot it!" <laughs> and then, and then your guy must have done some calls, and he came out broadside. And someone in the background comments, "Perfect shot!" Now he's broadside, and I was so tense, and I don't feel this way ever. We were watching a video, I was so tense. I was like, "Steve, shoot it, shoot!" It. And I knew that you did shoot it because I could see the thumbnail, but I was just, I don't know what it was, but it was so incredibly engaging. And then with the bear hunt, uh, to watch that was was a lot of fun and and I want you to walk through each of these hunts in a minute but for the for people listening at home part of what made the bear hunt special at least to me was the fact that you spot this bear um and this is before the moose uh, the day before or something and you go and you're, you're making your way towards it but then you see this other bull um and you're kind of watching him and he's too young to shoot he'd be like a you know an end of kind of hunt shoot in a um, trip shoot but you're just watching him and then you're going to make your way back over to to the bear but then the bear got your scent or the scent of the dog or heard the dog that you have with you with the guide and he comes like shambling up around the periphery of where you're hunting and then you kind of turn around the camera like pans around it's like there he is and he's a big boy like he's like an eight footer kind of and again my my heart was like that's a bear like shoot the bears <laughs> even once you'd shot it and he he kind of bolts off and runs into like into the brush and then you're tracking him down and you have the rifle up and there's just this sense of intensity of there's a really pissed off bear somewhere really close and he's a big boy and we've got to find him because we want to you know make sure he has a clean and, and, and a, and a yeah. you know an efficient end but also because like this is what we're doing, we're hunting bear. Can you walk me through either of those hunts? Can you tell me about that trip? Can you Man, you just walked me through them. That was the best. Mate, you gave me all the memories of those trips like I've never heard before. That was great. I was, felt like I was there. You just ran me through it. It was so good. Oh man, it was it was a joy. It was like uh, I mean, and and I'm not to say that the camera angles or the the cinematography or the sound design or none of that was perfect. Um, but, but I don't it just know was. What it, was. it was just you real. Just captured, it was authentic and real, yeah. and you yeah. captured it. And it was just um, like it made me want to. I, I I spoke to my wife this afternoon, and I was just like, "Man, I'm like, babe, I have to go to British Columbia." I'm like, "I'm sorry." Oh, it's like- so good because even even that that British Columbia trip, all those trips, they all come back to the old like guns video. I mean, that all those opportunities I got, like so many opportunities. I mean, that that trip, what happened was there was a guy in Queensland who saw my video, rings me up one night. He goes, is that Steve Lee? I said, yeah. He goes, where'd you get me number? He goes, oh, I found it on your paintball site. I said, oh, yeah, here you go, mate. He goes, good, listen, my name's Clark McGee. I'm uh, I'm a good bloke. Oh, I just need a place to stay tonight. Um, I'm just coming through <laughs> parks. Any chance I can come and stay at your house? And I went, you know what? I can tell by your voice, you sound like an interesting guy. I mean, he is an sure. interesting cat. And man, I'm just like, so he just rocks up to my house. That's when I, how I met Clark McGee. Rocks up to my house here, he comes here. He just says, mate, that video just, I just love your old guns video. So cool. 
introduced me. Then he starts taking me hunting. So, so from that from that video, then he takes me up hunting, and I meet his son Kurt. Kurt McGurk. So Kurt, great bloke, we get to know him, and um, after about th- probably four or five years. Three or four years, four, four or five years, he says to me, look, I'm thinking of going overseas. I really don't want to go. I've been um, working with Dad all these years. I want to go overseas. I'm thinking of going to Canada. What do you think? I said, Kurt, if you've got the opportunity, man, you've got to grab it with both hands. You'll go away. You'll learn stuff that you can come back. And even if you come back and work for your dad later, you can adapt it to your businesses here. But you've got an opportunity, man. You're a young bloke. He goes, oh, I just feel like I'm letting Dad down. I said, man, your dad might be disappointed for a while, but it's going to be good for you. You've got your own life. Just go. So he goes, and then he comes back with this lady. This, he meets this other um, guide, and um, he brings her back to Australia. And then he says to me one day, we're going to get married. And he's back in British Columbia at the time, and he goes, could you come and marry us? And I said, oh, I'm not a padre, man. He goes, yeah, but your dad was. <laughs> yeah. He says, well, can you come and marry me? How does that work? I said, where is it? He says, he goes, he goes, it's at a hunting lodge in the middle of the Spatsisi um, River. We're going to have to fly you in and land on the lake. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's up in British Columbia. Come over and I'll take you out for a wolf hunt. And I said, man, you had me at British Columbia. I was coming no matter what happened. I'd right? marry so anyone like, who asked me if they gave it. It was like a plus to get a hunt. <laughs> I'd be like, I'll marry you. Whatever. Sure. And so I just went and did some research and um, – I just thought, okay, I can do this. And they're all Christian people over there. He married into a Christian family. And um, so I just, I said to him, if I can't legally marry you, he goes, all right, we'll go and get married at the registry before we come out, like a mm. week before, then we'll go out in the bush. We'll meet you out there. We'll fly you on the plane. And you can do the whole thing as if we're having me married. I said, I'm in. So I did, it's the first yeah. time I ever married anyone. I don't want to do it again, but it was great. And I just pretended I was a padre and did the whole thing. <laughs> but it was pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, so he lands me on this place, and then that, um, and had another mate with me. I had another mate I took to the wedding from the other side of Canada, who'd taken my "I Like Guns" song years ago, and he put it onto his channel. And most people, um, I had someone chasing that, chasing the funds for that. Most people made him take it down, but I really liked his video, and I said to him, "You know what, Matt? You can keep that video up. I, I, I don't mind you take me song, take me song. I don't care." So anyway, I got to know him from that. Then I went and visited him in Canada, and then he came to the wedding with me. So we go out on these horses, go out wolf hunting. Don't get any wolves, but it's a freaking great hunt. So good, right? Mm. And he takes me out afterwards, Kurt does. Anyway, then I get to know Kurt, and then before long, I'm hunting over there more often, and I just get opportunity to go on. on, on um, I took Savannah, my uh, youngest daughter, my wife. We went over there for oh, 14, 15 days on a... Um, Indian trap line and it was in the snow on, on um, skidoos and everything and it was in the same sort of area and we had to fly in, land on this. Oh, just oh, such great experiences, right? And even then we got a wolf and I got like, um, uh, what are they, bobcats or whatever they call them up there, call them something different up there. Like anyway, so did a whole lot of hunting all through that. Yeah, lynx, yeah. And and, and all, man, it was just really, it was in the middle of snow and I mean, I remember there was one day there, I've got to bring that, I haven't put this video on but I was there one time no, I'm not going to tell you that story because I haven't put the video up because I could get in trouble. But that's another story. For another <laughs> story. Anyway, that's it's about explosives and me- shooting them. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's just about explosives and shooting them. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, okay. so um, when I'm there, I, that, uh, his wife's getting an award somewhere. She gets an award. When I'm at the award, there's a uh, some type of raffle for a uh, uh, no, 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 auction, auctioning off hunts. So I auctioned off, I decided to go for this goat hunt. 
which is like 18 grand US. And I get end up getting it for seven grand, but it's with the same company that Kurt works for. So I rang Kurt and said, oh, man, I've got this hunt, but I can't do it this year. Can I do it next year? And he goes, oh. And so the guy I bought it off said to me, how about I just pay you $10,000? I know you paid seven for it. I'll give you 10 grand because it cost me 12 to put it on. I said, no, I'm coming, man. I'm going to go shoot this goat. I don't care. I'm in. Yeah. So he says, all right. So he said, you can leave it till next year. When I go the next year, I ring him up and say, well, can I add a moose to the, to the hunt? He's going to make you pay seven grand for it. You want to add a moose? I said, you know, he goes, oh, look, if you shoot a moose, I'll charge another five grand. But it's just $200 for the thing. So this is the, this hunt that we're going on. So I um, pay the extra money. Then two weeks before I leave, I see that they're banning grizzly bear hunts in British Columbia. And so I look at it and go, hang on, I know he's got tags. So I ring him back and said, listen, could you ask your boss whether I can slip in a grizzly bear tag as well because there's only two weeks left on the season forever <laughs> and he goes wow i doubt it steve they're like twenty five thousand dollars to shoot a grizzly i said like, just ask him so he asked him he says look i've got one tag left it's 1200 bucks for the tag if he shoots one which he won't because it's already snowing it'll be five grand to shoot the bear i said i'm in extra five grand yeah. for the moose extra five grand for the bear if i shoot him that's a lot of money yeah not for what they usually charge not, not for <laughs> what they cost. <laughs> anyway, so I go over there, and it's because I've been paying it over a few years, it's not hurting as much. And it's even when I when I bought that $7,000 hunt, I went home to my wife and said, you are going to be so proud of me. She goes, what that? So I saved us like $11,000 tonight. She goes, how? So I bought this $80,000 hunt for seven grand. She goes, very good. You've done well. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so... My wife I would not say that. This- <laughs> i got a good wife, man. That's why she can't get away from me. Anyway, so when I fly over there to get this hunt, this hunt that you saw, these two hunts, I'm going after a goat. And so when when you're on a particular hunt, you're allowed to add these other tags, but you're only really supposed, you're not supposed to hunt them animals. You're supposed to look for their animals while you're hunting the other one. If you see that animal, then you can shoot it. So we go out and I said to Kurt, where are we going? So we we ride horseback for days up through these mountains, all through the... It was just... An amazing experience, one of the best in my life. We got caught in a big storm, and there was caribou in the storm when I'm walking through, and there's caribou on this mountain. It's just, it's just like you see in that video, but really nice. So then we go out looking for this. um, He said, "I'll take you up on this hill. We haven't been here before because we can never come here. So I've never been up there. I've only ever flown over it. So we ride up these hills, try and find these tracks. No tracks or anything. Got to cut it all out. You know, they see those mooses where you see that moose stuff. But we saw a bear on the way up there, and he goes, "I can't believe there's still a bear out." I said, "Let me let's get after that bear." He said, it's eating berries over there. We might be lucky. So we go up the top where you saw. We're up the top. We see that, that young moose that you saw. So I'm just remembering it in my mind. And um, I look across, because we'd already seen the bear earlier on, and I look across and I go, Oi, there's another moose just coming out of the trees there. And he's like, yeah. where? Is it there? I point to him. He goes, oh, yeah. You hear it comes? It's very low. I go, what? Yeah. He goes, oh, man. That's that bear, right? So the bear is actually, <laughs> it's following our trail, the, the, the trail we walked up. So it's actually on our trail. And Kurt turns yeah. to me and says, that thing is sniffing us out. Like it's coming after the dog and after us. So it's it's going to hibernate. It, it's sort of coming after us, man. And he, yeah. and he looks through the box. He goes, it's a good bear, man. He says, it's old. He said, oh, if, if you could shoot this if you want to shoot it. I said, oh, I want to shoot it. What do you mean? <laughs> anyway, so it comes exactly. from, what do you mean, like 70 metres or something? And I had one opportunity, and I took the shot and hit it, and it was just oh, so good, man. Where did you hit it? 
Go right in the heart, like it killed it. I mean, it, and then you see where I walk off. It was dead. It, it just yeah. took off. Got, yeah. got right where I was. Yeah, there's a lot of it. blood. Um, and I was just, and it was funny because Kurt says to me, he goes, you know, people come over here on these big hunts because they pay a lot of money for those hunts. They pay like, um, I think it's forty or sixty thousand to shoot a sheep on that those hunts. So you got a sheep for 30, uh, forty, might be sixty thousand for those big ram things. There's four in the world. And he says, now people come up here and they bring these rifles. They can't shoot. He said they bring these $50,000 rifles. They get their ammo balanced out. They get all this ammo and all this stuff. He goes, I lent you this 30 odd six. You bought the mm. ammo from like Tire, uh, Tire, something. I forget what it's called. Some Canadian stuff. Tire Pro. It's a standard <laughs> ammo. You come up here and, yeah, something like that. And he goes, and, and you shot everything you wanted to shoot with the standard of everything. He said, I just loved it so much. Yeah. So all these people come up with these, like, Ten thousand dollar things, and you just come up with a standard, a three hundred dollar rifle, a six hundred dollar rifle, a bit of ammo you've got at the shop, and just shoot everything. And I, it was just everything was good about it, you know. I just I loved it. So a much. shot of my life I made um, in at least the best shot of my life so far I made in South Australia when I was in Water Valley hunting with Paul Convery, and uh, I was driving there, so I didn't want to bring my rifle. And uh, he's like, "Yeah, you can just use mine." I'm like, "Yeah, great, sure." So I didn't even. He'd seen some of my videos and he, he um, we had some conversations and stuff and he must have got a good read on me because he decided that he, I didn't need to do target practice the day before the hunt because um, he usually would like suss out a guy as to whether he or she is, is good enough by whether they can hit, you know, hit a, um, a bullseye basically. And Whoa. for him, the animal is like sacred. It's like the most important thing and, and you need to cleanly kill it in respect for that animal and if you miss it it's like i will destroy you like he's like i he's like i went to bed that night thinking oh my gosh like i have to absolutely nail this shot and i'm recording it like this is this is for me but this is also for you for youtube and um he gave me this rifle i i I don't know what i was thinking i must have just been so wrapped up in the whole filming process trying to be creative i didn't think like chris maybe you should fire this rifle first like before you go out hunting with it but i didn't even think and uh we came up to this herd sorry, of, um, sorry, this, sorry. You, you you hadn't fired the rifle i hadn't fired the rifle i hadn't fi- hadn't fired it so what? so he gave it to oh, it's his rifle his rifle correct yeah yeah i'm borrowing his rifle right gotcha and so he's like here you go so we went out hunting. We saw this bachelor herd of, of fellow bucks up on a hill. Um, we kind of, you can watch the video if you want. I'll send you a link. Um, we kind of uh, come down yeah, this little scrubby section. I would love section. to see We come down this little scrubby section and we're standing there. And I, um, he's like, he's like, okay, you can engage the bolt now. Put the round in. So I do that. It's like, take the safety off. And he goes, go, go brace yourself over there against this this fence post. And I, I took that to mean go put your rifle on the fence post and like use it as a rest. And so I do that. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what? And he's like, get it off there. He's like, and I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I, so I take it off there and and I'm just not comfortable. I'm just not comfortable at all. And I'm just, all I can feel is, is Paul's eyes on me. And I'm like, oh man, I respect this guy. And he's a hard teacher, but I'm a, you know, a tough cookie. I can take it. Um, but I just, I just need to nail this shot. I'm standing there and you can see my hands. Like I'm doing the, I'm kind of got my, it's like white knuckles. And I just, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. It was like 250 meters shot. So it wasn't crazy, but I hadn't shot this rifle before. And I just I had this moment of clarity. I was just like, stop, Chris, you're not comfortable. You're going to stuff it up. 
to stop reposition. And so I, I repositioned and I kind of put my back to, to the, um, the, the, um, the stump of the, the post and I just lined up and, um, and then just breathed and felt good. took the shot and it just absolutely nailed him. Like you, you see it in the footage. Very rarely do I get the shot of the animal and the shot of me at the same time in the content. But I had a camera sitting way back, zoomed in, and I had me in with another guy. And um, you just see that classic, the jump, the spring, like of the yep. adrenaline as it goes straight through the heart. And he sprung up and he ran and he ran all the way across the frame of the camera on the, in the long distance shot turned around and then just stumbled back and just fell down. And it was oh just this moment of like just pure like bliss of like, here's this rifle that I've never fired before. And the first time I fired, I just absolutely nailed it. And, and Paul just turned to me and he goes, that was an amazing shot. And it's, it was like, it was like staring at your father going like, Oh my goodness. Thank you, dad. Like all the affirmation. And he, um, he cut me some slack. For the rest of that trip, he was like, "If you shoot like that, he's like, you can come shoot me with whenever you want. Like, come to, come to Africa That's with good. me. Like, he's like, I, and I, I just, um, yeah, it was just when you were saying before about this this rifle that you know this cheap standard thing with whatever factory ammo you could get from the local truck yeah. shop or whatever it was tire shop. Um, it's yeah, it those moments are pretty are pretty special. But I did put twenty shots through it beforehand. I wanted to make sure I could shoot the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Tell me. So, so afterwards, yes. you you track down this bear, and he's absolutely. He's just a. He's just huge. And then, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we took it all back. Oh, we took the meat and everything. We went back to camp. I was so oh, man. I was just put it all on horseback. Had to get back down the mountain, and we had to come back up the next couple of days. And then the, we went after the mooses. For, so I think we saw that real good moose that I shot. I think we might have saw him on one of the earlier days. And he was mm. just too far away, so far away. And then um, I think it wasn't really the last day. It became our last day, but well, I still had more days up there if I wanted them. But I wanted to really get a goat, but then storms kept coming in and we couldn't get up on the mountains where the goats were. And, um, yeah, because it was funny. So I ended up getting that moose as well. And I was actually supposed to be there for a goat. I don't get a goat. So I've got to pay the – so I send the guy $10,000 for the extra two, two animals. And he sends yeah. me back five and says, yeah, but you didn't get your goat. I'm like, man, God is good. <laughs> so it cost me like 12 grand for a bear and a moose. And that moose was pretty special <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah, He's great moose. Boy. You know, I still haven't got those heads. I'm actually in the process now. I haven't got any of that stuff. It's still all coming from Canada. It's been nearly four or five years with the COVID and everything. There was no ships coming. It's been such a pain. And it's so expensive to get them sent across. It's just killing me. And it's just yeah. pain. I mean, I had to redo the permits, I don't know, three or four times. It's just uh, sanity. So I don't know how the whole, like, thing's going to go in the future for hunters and stuff, bringing stuff in. So it's just getting harder and harder on every aspect. Yeah. yeah. Well, mate, but I'm going thank back. you so much. <laughs> yeah. Hey, mate, I'll go with you. You call me up. I'll come. I'll be your cameraman. Not if you keep giving <laughs> me a hard time, you right. But if you're going to be my cameraman, you know you're in, right? You know I will take you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep my get my mouth closed. No, look, I um, I I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate your zest for life. Um, I appreciate just just the joy that you exude, and I I I see a lot of myself in you. In that, like, it's just good 
to be fun. It's just good to have fun. Yeah. Like there's this context like that people just don't get that I appreciate that if you just look at the sensational kind of YouTube explosions and stuff, it can, you can get the wrong impression. But it, but if even the time that I've had to talk to you, um, when you spend the time to get to know a person and you, you look into their eyes and you hear the tone of their voice and, you know, you hear the love in their heart and, 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 and when they can, when you can sit and have a conversation as a human being, I feel like that's where the magic is. That's where life happens. Yeah. And, yeah. and we need things like legal systems. We need legal frameworks around firearms and all these different things. Um, but I would just, I guess, encourage anyone who's, who's experiencing anything like this, um, just to not judge, not to jump to conclusions uh, because, People are people at the end of the day. We're the most important thing. Relationships between other people is the most important thing that you can have. And so it's worth spending the time to get to know someone uh, and to hear doing a living with the enemy and, and <laughs> find out what makes them tick and w- why yeah. they love what they love that you don't understand uh, and what can, you can mine from that. So I've, I've appreciated you taking the time to, to have hard conversations with me um, and to, to lean into the uncomfortable uh, but also to yeah celebrate uh, some of the things that that make you happy. It's I really appreciate yeah, it. So sure. Thank you. No, I saw. Thank you, sir. It's good. Your mother would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my conversation with Steve Lee from I Like Guns. What an interesting man, a complex man, a man who's been through so much, and yet at the end of it, he still has a passion for people. He still has a passion for life. He still has a passion for firearms and he still has a passion for hunting. If only we can all retain a passion like that, the world would be a better place. Anyway, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate your attention over this hour and a half. And make sure if you haven't already, check out the Australian Hunters Club. It is a hunting club that I am deeply involved in and I think you should be deeply involved in. I want to invite you to become a part of it. AustralianHunters.com.au Fantastic way to join a community of hunters like we've talked about in this video. Become a pillar in your community. Connect to other hunters and gain other benefits along the way like professionally guided hunts every month that you can win. Products, go on free hunts with other members' events. All good stuff. Check it out. Otherwise, thank you so much for watching or for listening and hopefully I see you again soon. Bye.